Whoa. Oh, we are back for the latest interview of Home Mad Advantage. This is the 40th interview on Home Mad Advantage. On this one, I sit down with my longtime friend and coach Ken Chertow for an excellent interview where we discuss Ken's successful high school, collegiate, and senior level career, his camp system, and a lot of proper nutrition. Um, thank you to Coach Ken for coming out to this interview, and uh, let's let it roll. Hey, Coach Ken, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, it's my pleasure, man. How have you been? Going strong, excited to get back on the mats, getting ready for summer camp, getting everybody the information they need, getting my body ready to rock. Yeah. You know how it is. Nice. Where, where are you right now? I'm in State College at my home training center in my house, and uh, just getting ready for camp here in State College in three weeks. No, that's that's really special. Hey, I mean, while we're on it, t tell us a little bit about that camp of yours. What's, what do you mean by it? Well, you know the deal, buddy. You've been there enough times. <laughs> we get after it and bring in all sorts of studs to help me and help the different campers. Uh, this year, a little bit of unique change, a good change, um, because the Ramada that I run camp at successfully for 20 years is – um, tied in so closely to Penn State, they were struggling a bit, and they're going to close for the summer like Penn State is. And I, I moved out to Toft Trees Resort. So mm -hmm. we're going to rest, eat, and sleep at the State College Toft Trees Resort, uh, conference center bigger than the Ramada, nice setup. It's just, it's an upgrade, actually, because they need the business. It works out really well. And, you know, I've been running camp at State College for over 20 years successfully, and I'm excited that despite the, the viral scares, that we're going to run a healthy, safe camp, and we're going to use the Toft Trees Conference Center resort that is fantastic i mean it's good to see that um you know things are opening back up and it's good to see that we're you know starting to to provide more wrestling you know there's probably going to be events happening later this summer and camps and and um, i know my club m2 has just opened up so i mean it's good to see it's a, it's a good thing to um to experience but um we can talk more about your camp later in the future but here um just to get this interview kicked off i want to uh, just ask you, where did you grow up, Coach? Well, I was born in Chicago, Illinois, and did some wrestling in the suburbs of Illinois. But uh, my main growing up was when we moved to West Virginia when I was 12. And that's when I got serious about wrestling and made a, a year-round commitment to wrestling and started doing a lot of extra. So I spent grades 7 to 12 in West Virginia. So that's, you know, if a non-athlete like me can get out of a small state like West Virginia and make it to Penn State and make the Olympics, you know, anybody could get her done. No, that's um, for sure. So I did not get spoiled like you are with the great <laughs> wrestling. I mean, you're, you're right there with David Taylor on a regular basis. You've grown up training with me for a long time. You've had a lot of extra um, opportunities that most, most young men don't have because we're in a wrestling town here in State College. Uh, but for me in West Virginia, it was definitely challenging. and It wasn't really a wrestling community, but I just did a lot of extra, did it year-round, and it paid off in a form of a scholarship at Penn State. Wow. How did you get introduced to wrestling? Mama Cherto took me to the YMCA for lessons in fourth grade. And uh, I got my butt kicked for literally a couple of years. I, in wrestling, I lost more matches than I won. I've heard my friend Brandon Slay, Olympic champ, I've heard his story. He, he lost his first 20-plus matches. Crazy. And he's an Olympic champ now. But so I, I struggled my first couple of years. I won some, lost more than I won. But by sixth grade, I was even. And by middle school, I was getting serious spotted, starting to lift weights, mature. And like I said, I started doing a year-round. That was a difference for me. I'm not a gifted athlete, but by doing it year-round in seventh grade and then on, I just kept consistently getting better. And that was my start, you know, just an elementary school beginners program, some relaxed competition. And then I, then I got into junior high wrestling and really made a total commitment. 
Hmm. Did uh, did anyone else in your family wrestle before you? Nah, you know I'm first generation. You know, Jude, like your your dad. I mean, he's into it. You know, he's always helped me <laughs> in my club, and he's he's hardcore. And he introduced you to it at a young age, and that's awesome that you fall in love with it, develop a passion for wrestling, and that's what it's all about. But no, I. I'm first generation, no uncle, no dad. I didn't know what it was. My mom literally <laughs> just took the flyer from the YMCA and said, said, you want to try it? I said, sure. And I was a little short guy and it, it worked. And, you know, I, I enjoyed it. And uh, just something I took to, but no, I, you know, you find so many children that try wrestling nowadays, have an, a dad, uncle, or some kind of relative or friend that does it. I, I did it. Mm. Was that hard for you to, I don't know self-motivate because it's I mean to be alone kind of figuring it out for yourself I mean like like you said I have a dad who introduced me to this sport and I can always turn to him for for guidance and things like that um but it sounds like you you know you're first generation you're you're kind of alone how is it to self-motivate yourself you have some good questions stud you're gonna be a great professional man you already are um <laughs> I I would say that I just slowly and steadily took an interest in it. It wasn't like an overnight, oh, I'm good at this, or oh, I like this. I mean, I didn't like it the first, I mean, I didn't love it at first. I just kind of liked the workout. I liked the challenge. I liked the exercise. I liked the fitness. Uh, and I, I was, I was self-motivated. And I find, you know, I coached a long time at Penn State, Ohio State, uh, and recruited. And I, I found the guys that did the best were the kids that were self-motivated, that really wanted to be successful because they wanted it not because they were parent-driven. Now, don't get me wrong, a lot of parents might have introduced those stars to wrestling, but ultimately, that motivation's got to come from within. So, yeah, I was self-motivated. My, my mom was just along for the ride. I mean, she took me to the first lessons, but she didn't know what was going on. My dad was my dad's a doctor. He's a scientist. He's an academic guy. He, he didn't know what I was getting into. He thought I was kind of crazy when I was making this year-round commitment, asking to buy a wrestling mat in my house. You know, they're like, well, you're crazy, man. But eventually... <laughs> In eighth grade, I got the ping pong table moved. I literally split the money. It was like 500 bucks back in the day for a home wrestling mat, like a 12 by 12. And you know, I cut lawn, split the cost of my parents, folded up the ping pong table, and boom, home wrestling. Nice. I had a brother that was five year, that is five years younger than me, poor soul. <laughs> <laughs> that was my partner. But he, he's one of our first students. He's a, he grew up into a two-time state champion and Ohio State wrestler. He's an orthopedic surgeon now. So he would literally be my first student. Wow, that's fantastic. Because uh, that was my second question was, you know, you have this home training center, uh, <laughs> the beginning of the home training center. Well, who did you wrestle with aside from your brother? Did you get any other kids in or was it just you training all year round? In, in West Virginia back in that day, you know, I really had trained my brother. He was five years younger. So when I'm 15, he's 10. I'm just kind of teaching this. Right, right. It was mostly shadow drills. That's what I did on my home, man. I really had a drill partner come to my house. But when I got into high school, there wasn't as many clubs as there are now. Like, you know, you have me in your backyard, David Taylor, and many other opportunities, Penn State. I mean, you could go wrestle anywhere. Um, that's not like that in most communities. Uh, so be blessed that you have that opportunity and be grateful. Um, but in my case, no, I didn't have that. But I did get the key to my wrestling room in <laughs> my high school nice. when I was a ninth grader. So... I had access and I'd have partner meet me over there and I did a lot of extra, but it wasn't in a structured environment with expert coaching like you guys have, uh, you know, exposure to nowadays, but I did, I, I really learned a lot through my wrestling camps. I spent the whole summer away at wrestling camps from seventh grade on. 
and I would go and I was pretty, I was self-motivated and I'm relatively intelligent and I would go <laughs> work and drill on the things that I learned at camps and just keep improving. And I, and I had a few different partners. By the time I got to 10th grade, I had a few different partners that would come in and meet me and we'd work out. Um, another, one of my, uh, one of my best friends in high school is named Bob Taylor. He was two-time state champ. We work out a fair amount, but there's another guy from about 20 miles away. And when he got his driver's license, when he was 16, he would come meet me. His name's Tony Dickens. And he went, he's a graduate of the Naval Academy. He wrestled at Navy. Um, Bobby, the first guy I mentioned, wrestled at Clemson. So I did have these two guys that, you know, we'd scrap and train. They're about the same nice. size. It was pretty awesome. And they both earned college scholarship opportunities too. So um, those were my buds. And there was some other guys too, but those were two of my main men. Hmm. And so what, what high school did you attend? So I'm Huntington, West Virginia, Huntington High School. Um, my high school coach's son is now the head coach of that school. They have a good tradition. They've won state some. They really, the program was solid, good when I was a kid. We never won the state as a team. But we were, we, me and my buddy were state champs. We had actually three back-to-back -back state champions. Another guy oh. named Sam St. Clair. So the guy that weighed below me and the guy that weighed above me, we three in a row won state titles um, when I was a junior in high school. And uh, it was pretty exciting, um, but we didn't win the, that still didn't win the team title because the rest of the team wasn't as good. Anyways, today, Huntington High School, good tradition. Rob Archer is the high school coach. They do well, and uh, he consistently develops individual state champs. They've won the team title a couple times, and that's, that's where I was back, back in high school. That's where I was from. Hmm. So, okay, so what sort of success, or like what was the first time you had success at the youth or high school level, or, or like something big that you're like, oh, wait, yeah, I'm, I'm actually right there. Um, it took a while, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I was a state finalist as a 10th grader. So I made it to the high school state championship finals as a 10th grader. But mind you, that's West Virginia. All right. So I went from there, I went to junior nationals and uh, I was feeling pretty good thinking I might do some good things. And I went 0-2 in Greco, my first Ooh. Greco ever. I said, well, I'll be ready for freestyle. I'm a state finalist. I'm going to do better than freestyle. 0-2 in freestyle, man. So I was 0-4, my first experience at the Junior Nationals, which is now Fargo. Mm -hmm. And um, I could have been like, well, I'm just going to be good in West Virginia, but not good in the other stuff. But instead, I made a commitment to learning freestyle and Greco wrestling. I really studied it. I embraced it. I worked as hard as I could. Two years later, 700-plus hard, hard days of hard work, I won the Junior Nationals in the Greco and the freestyle. Wow. So I went from 0-4 to two years later, double champion. Man. How did you first get introduced to Freestyle and Greco? Huh, go showing up at a tournament and getting killed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, my first exposure in Greco was junior nationals getting killed. Uh, I had wrestled freestyle at a tournament in ninth grade. I mean, there was, I lived West Virginia for y'all that are geographically challenged, does border Ohio and Pennsylvania. Right. Okay. And it's a little, little rural town. Uh, and so I would get some tournaments in Ohio, Pennsylvania. I, I had some freestyle matches in ninth grade and 10th grade. So I had a clue what was going on in freestyle. Um, but then I just, the rest of the way I learned through camps, I, I would go to camp and I'd ask the counselors to wrestle me, teach me extra freestyle. Um, when I was a, a junior in high school, instead of going 0 and 4 at junior nationals, I chose my junior year. I hooked up with team Pennsylvania to go to junior nationals with the T. So instead of just going by myself from West Virginia, I, right. the Tom Canavan used to be the PAWF director for Pennsylvania. Then it became Van Plokus for all these recent years till recently Joe Stabilito took over. But um, there's really good leadership, as you know, in Pennsylvania. And 
they took me with to Fargo and I was able to uh, learn a lot of wrestling through the junior national camps and going there. And I just kept learning steadily. And then through college, I mean, I'm, I'm one of the first people involved in the Nittany Lion Wrestling Club, which is as successful ever as any club ever today, along with the Hawkeye Club. And, uh, you know, during college, instead of drinking beer and getting in trouble, I would wrestle all spring and summer and just keep getting better at freestyle. And that's how I learned freestyle. I just kept improving steadily so that, uh, you know, it, it worked. As you, as you know, I was uh, on the Olympics when I was in college. I made the Olympic team at age 21. Uh, I was a junior at Penn State. And uh, I definitely had spent a lot of time training at Freestyle Greco by then. At what point did you know that you wanted to pursue an Olympic title? Well, you know, I watched the Olympics in junior high school. It was 1980. You know, for y'all to follow history, uh, the Russians uh, hosted that Olympics and we boycotted it. So it wasn't so exciting for me, but I saw the Olympics on TV. I was like, oh, I'd like to do that. I saw some wrestling, but not the Americans, right? right. So it's kind of a eh, mixed experience. Uh, that, was the, that was the year that Jimmy Carter boycotted the Olympics. We didn't get to go. Um, so many legends, some guys I looked up to, like Gene Mills, Lee Kemp, and many others, world champions, did not get to wrestle in that Olympics. Uh, but four years later, the Olympics were in Los Angeles, and I remember that vividly. It was on television. Now, today you guys take it for granted, but that was one of the first Olympics broadly televised. It was in the USA, obviously. It was easy. It was, you know, prime time. And uh, I saw Mary Lou Retton from West Virginia win Olympic gold in gymnastics. And I'm from West Virginia. She grew up 100 miles away. That was very inspiring. But then I also saw Bobby Weaver, Dave and Mark Schultz, the Bannock brothers, you know, it was incredible. Nate Carr was a Olympic. He wasn't in that Olympics, but he he and Andy Ryan battled to make that Olympic team, and Andy Ryan was in the Olympic finals. So, so many guys I looked up to and knew uh, succeeded in that Olympics when I was a senior in high school. So I won junior nationals, both styles, as a senior in high school, and then and I was already signed to Penn State. And then a few weeks later was the Olympics, uh, late August, I believe, off the top of my head, and uh, I saw that happen. And I, I to your question. When did the Olympics become a real vision for me? Then I saw as okay, not just college. Let's go to the Olympics. Let's let's win the Olympic gold. Man, wow! When was your first experience competing overseas? First experience overseas. Well, I, I made the junior world team as a senior in high school, mm -hmm. and that world championship was not overseas. That was in. Um, in America, Washington, right. D.C. I won the Junior World Championship in America. It was pretty cool. Um, sadly, that year, though, um, was the boycott year. It was the 84 Olympic year. Um, so the Russian junior team didn't come over, which mm. kind of bummed me out. Uh, my first, so my first experience actually competing overseas was in Israel, in the Maccabee Games of the following year. So before I even made a world team, at the uh, another a senior world team, right? like, yeah, I, I got to wrestle for the Maccabee team. That's the best Jewish wrestlers in the world in our nation represent me. So I got to go to Israel. I won the Greco and the freestyle there. That was exciting. And, uh, you know, I got to go overseas, you know, a dozen times in the next five to eight years or so. I competed internationally until I was 25. So I, I was overseas many times after that. Hmm. What was that experience like? I mean, like, you're, you're still a kid for the most part, right? And you're, I'm, at least for the, for the world championships that was held in America. I mean, you're traveling to D.C., you're wrestling all these foreign wrestlers who are coming in. Um, what was that experience like for you? And how did you, how did you view it for, uh, as a, you know, as a senior? 
it was cool. I, I had never wrestled foreign guys at my senior year of high school, so that was different. There's different styles, especially the Asian guys. They jump around a lot. Um, I wrestled a guy from Japan in that one. Uh, you know, but I just you just take it one match at a time. You don't try to think about it too much. You don't overthink it. You just do what you do best and not get too engrossed in that type of thing. I, I felt always good. I always, against foreigners, I felt like they put a lot of emphasis on details and technique and patience, right. uh, especially the Europeans and the Soviet Union at that time. Um, so when it later in the, in the eighth, like I made the junior world team again, 85 and 86, my freshman and sophomore year of college. So I wrestled in three junior world championships. Um, I would try to put pressure on those guys. It was really, I always liked to underhook and work the head, but against Europeans, those guys tried to slow the pace. I really put a lot of emphasis on banging the head and snapping them down and getting the front headlock position. And that was just kind of tactically what I thought, but you know, I didn't really care who, what country people were from. I just wrestled hard as I could and get after it. Nice. And I mean, you can even see that nowadays is like Team USA, not only do we have incredible technique, but we win a lot of matches on pace too, right? High yeah. pace, high velocity of attacks. And it wears foreign guys out because they don't put that sort of emphasis on conditioning and, you know, the grind that Americans do. Um, which, and, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to see how different we do it. And so um, I talked with, I don't know if you know who Nazar Kolchiski is, um, but he was a Ukraine wrestler transferred to, um, he moved to America when he was, you know, around 16 years old. He ended up winning three division three titles um, for Wisconsin Oshkosh. And now he's competing for, um, you know, on the senior level. <clears throat> but, you know, what he said that really surprised me is he's like, you know, there's only freestyle, there's, there's freestyle and there's Greco, but you don't do both. Right. And he's like, and our, and our practices are like 45 minutes of, you know, gymnastics and then 45 minutes of live wrestling, but there's no like hard drilling or anything like that. And so, you know, we're both America and foreign guys have success, but we do it in very different ways. Um, so I don't know. I just, I find that really interesting. And I, I, I like to talk about this with a lot of different people just about how there, there's not one road to success in this sport. And that's kind of what's interesting is, you know, obviously you have to put in time, you have to put in effort, you have, um, you know, and work hard. But as far as training goes, you have Russians who, you know, <laughs> probably have never stepped on a, an exercise bike or a treadmill or something. Um, and they can win world championships. And then you have Americans who are, you know, pushing their bodies to the limit and becoming very talented athletes also going to, and um, winning world championships too. So there's a different emphasis and it's just interesting to see. Um, but okay, coach. So tell us about the recruiting process for you and you're in high school. How did you know that you wanted to go to Penn state? John Fritz. Mm. Um, so when I was, uh, I believe in ninth grader, he came and did a camp in West Virginia for, a small camp back there in my hometown. And then another year uh, at this place called West Liberty, he did a camp there. I got to know him. Uh, and, you know, so I kept, I wrote him handwritten letters and kept in touch a little bit. Uh, they didn't recruit me heavily. They, you know, West Virginia doesn't get recruited much. Still today, it doesn't get recruited much. But we had a good connection. Uh, he kept in touch. And when I'm trying to think of the timeline, uh, when Penn State, my senior year, I hadn't committed yet in the spring. People don't commit as early as they used to, as they do now. 
Um, Penn State had an NCAA champ at 118 and 134. Their names were Carl DeStephanis and Scott Lynch. And John Fritz, NCAA champ at 126. So um, Coach Fritz, there's just the emotions of them winning. It was exciting together. There was, I guess, something special. Um, and at, at that tournament, it was at Prince, it was at uh, the Meadowlands. And uh, I went up to him in the hallway literally after the, and the end of the NCAA tournament, the gym was clearing out. And I and he said, hey, Coach Fritz. Congratulations, you know. It was pretty cool. In um, many ways, he had just won two, N- two NCAA individual champions. It was pretty neat. And um, you know, we just talked for a few minutes, and I let him know I was still interested. These are some other schools offered me more money. Um, but we stayed in touch that, that month a lot. And then in the Dapper Dan, I was up against this guy named Matt Gearhart, who's undefeated four-time Pennsylvania State champion who had muscles like crazy. <laughs> I was like, you swish. I, I looked like I was 12, man. All right, so I, I went up against Gearhart. I actually lost the match four to three, but I out hustled him. I out wrestled him. He was just so strong, and uh, it all worked out. I actually came to Penn State. I'm not a full scholarship. Me and my training partner Jimmy Martin both came to Penn State. He was a state he was a state champ at like 98 or 105, I think. Yeah, we both came on partial scholarships, and uh, because we wanted to be there. Um, interestingly, his dad is also a doctor. So He's our parents a doctor now. Pardon me. Is it, isn't Jim yeah, Jimmy's a doctor, a doctor. but his, his dad is a doctor, as is mine. And um, we both came and trained and got better and improved and just kept, everybody kept getting better and it all worked out good. But that's that's pretty much you asked about the process. I mean, I had opportunities to go to Oklahoma, Iowa State, Wisconsin, and many other places. I had full ride offers, and but I wanted to stay within driving distance of home. And I liked I saw the vision Penn State had. Rich Lorenzo, the head coach, who's now in the National Wrestling Hall of Fame. Ashura Wishi, the freestyle Greco coach, and the Nittany Lion Wrestling Club coach. They had a vision for Penn State, a vision for the future, a freestyle Greco program. It, it made sense for me, and it obviously worked out well for me. And it's exciting to see the success of Penn State University now and our wrestling tradition and the Nittany Lion Club. It's pretty cool. It just kind of kept getting better and better and evolving and more money has come into it so that we keep more senior level athletes around. Like when I graduated from Penn state, it wasn't like they could pay me to stay and train with any line club, like Zane Rutherford and David Taylor and so many others. I had a, t- I took a job. I took a job at Ohio state coaching wrestling where I trained there and that worked out very well for me, but it's just a different environment at that time. It wasn't the money that there is now to stay in wrestling competing. So I had to coach college wrestling while I was competing. It was a, unique combination yeah no that that does seem very different difficult but i mean like you said you you had success um in college wrestling right you were three-time all-american um so coach talk about that success and how did you frame it in your mind i mean you came from you know a small state right west virginia and you you know kept getting better and better and better and better now you're you're on the big stage what was that like for you it was exciting. It was fun. It was all good. It was just a nice challenge. Hmm. But just to that, I mean, <laughs> it's a big difference wrestling in front of, you know, 100 people in a dual meet in West Virginia. I mean, it's not like Pennsylvania where there might be 500 or 1,000. I mean, it's literally 100 people. It's your parents and, you know, my two or three girlfriends, right? <laughs> uh, hey, seriously, though, there was just not many people there. It's mostly the family. So uh, I just – I was exciting to wrestle at Penn State. You know, that's just a bit. It was it was a fun experience, and I I was I was a good competitor in a sense. Uh, in the limelight, I did well. I could get out in front of people and it would bring the best out of me. I'd use 
you know, I, I would use the emotions to perform at a high level. What, uh, and how good was the team when you were on it? Like, I mean, you, you said you were there with Jim Martin and obviously he's a, you know, he was a national champ and, yeah, so coming into it, um, we were solid in the early 80s, like top 10 program. Uh, the year my senior year of high school was two NCAA champions. I'm pretty sure we were fifth uh, or thereabouts. Don't quote me on that, but I think that put them at fifth. There wasn't a whole lot of depth necessarily at that moment. Don't mean, there was a couple other places, maybe fourth. I don't remember exactly. I was, But anyways, we, we were a top five program consistently. I mean, while I was at Penn State on the team, we won the national duels. And then we're second in the NCAA tournament. So we had a powerful, we, we built a powerful team. And some of the other guys you'd be familiar with, it was, so another training partner of mine was Tim Flynn. Uh, Tim was West not a, Virginia, right? Tim Flynn is now the head coach at WVU. Yeah. So he's one of my best friends as, as Jim Martin. So we were training partners and we had good lightweights. But we also had some good solid, up, you know, upper weights as well. So uh, Troy Sunderland and Dave Hart were two of our top guys who ended up, they were coaches at Penn State. Uh, prior to Kale. So they, they were two of the guys a little younger than me. Um, so we, we had a, a strong, we built a strong team that just kept getting better and better. Clearly. I mean, now it's, now it's definitely doing well. Um, and I mean, yeah, as I think about Penn state wrestling and, you know, I mean, obviously there's guys coming from all over Mark Hall coming in from Minnesota, Kentucky, Michigan, wherever he went to all the high schools, the <laughs> Bo nickel coming from Texas, different people coming from different places, but, I'm really proud of Zane. I mean, Zane, somebody you know that was around my kids' club a lot. I don't think you're old enough to have overlapped him. Like when you were seven or eight, he was probably already in college. But uh, he was consistent. And Quentin Wright. So Quentin Wright grew up coming to my gym full time, and when he, he he was part of the NCAA championship team when Penn State won in Philadelphia to win their first NCAA championship of this era, uh, and that was a really exciting time. You know, Quentin. I think it was his uh, sophomore year. Uh, he won his NCAA title as a sophomore, and that propelled Penn State. He actually clinched the team title for Penn State that year. And another one of my favorites, who you know, Brad Pataki, was the captain of that team. He was a senior in college that year. And him and Quentin had grown up training with me. So it's exciting to see the Penn State guys. You know, and that was the first generation of Kale's group. Quentin and Brad were already on the team under Sunderland. And then Kale adopted them and brought in David from Iowa State. Because David had already come into Iowa State. And that just kind of snowballed the success of the current era, uh, just an amazing, uh, amazing recruiting, amazing development, just has totally stood, stood out in the crowd here uh, until, until this year when I was snuck in there. Yeah. I would keep uh, pulling in these transfers, man. I know, right? They're taking, they have more PA guys in, uh, on, our, on their lineup than we <laughs> do, right? So. Yeah, good. It's competition's good for the sport, though. I, I want to see everybody. I mean, I'm, I'm all for my old mother killing it and running away, but, <laughs> but, but a parody is good. It's exciting. And this was really an exciting year. And there was a lot of anticipation of the NCAA tournament, right? Oh. And then bam, COVID and stuff. So, Man, hey, did you see any we'll, of that we'll have it again next year. Uh, where were you when you heard that the NCAA tournament was canceled? Um, I had just returned for the Pac-12 tournament. So I ran the Pac-12. I'm, I'm a TV broadcaster for the Pac-12 mm-hmm. network and a Big Ten network too. But in that particular day, I was – that particular weekend, I was at Stanford covering the Pac-12 uh, for the Pac-12 network. And then I came back to town. I flew back to State College. And that week is when they announced that the NCAA was going to be not happening. Wow. It was such – for me, it happened so fast. Because, like, I mean – you know, coronavirus, like it was something you'd like see it on the news, but you didn't, I never really thought it would affect my life directly. And then, you know, I had the state 
championships. And I mean, I, I wrestled there. I competed. Okay. Um, and then like three days later, it's all canceled everything, the whole, you know, and then we're going into lockdown and, and it's just, it, it just happened so fast. And it was such a quick turnaround from, from what, <laughs> I mean, nobody expected it. So well, I mean, what else can you say? Unique time in world history swish. Uh, and it's a lot, you know, but fortunately not too many young people are getting sick. Uh, fortunately around here, things are safe and healthy and uh, you know, we got to get back to life here. We got to, we can't be, we can't be living in fear. There's always going to be a little bit of risk of getting sick, but you know, we got to stay healthy, keep our immune systems healthy, just, you know, be fit and be able to battle infection of any sort, any sort of virus. And, um, we'll just keep prevailing. Yes, sir. Um, so you had mentioned, you know, Quentin, Pataki, Zane, like all the, these guys who have come through your program and had success at the highest level. Tell us about not specifically these kids, but like, kids who came through your camp system and um, your home training center, you know, any names you can throw out there and, or, or anyone you'd like to talk about specifically. Sure. Your question wasn't real clear. You mean my camp or my some locally here? We'll, we'll start with the, the local home training center. Oh, well, those three are the three that hit the top of the head immediately are the most successful perhaps, but um, the Heidley brothers, I mean, right. Aiden and Trent Heidley have slept over the mountain from Lewistown you know, their dad, Mark, brought them when Hayden was seven and Trent was six, and they they just kept coming. And uh, they dragged Noah Stewart along for the ride. Noah's at West Point. Um, but Trent and Hayden, as most people know, are the core of North Carolina State's program. They're the captains and leaders. And uh, you know, they were destined to have a great season. They had a great season this year. Yeah, they did. Hayden's been on the brink of NCAA titles, right, just losing by a skin of his hair to Nolf and what have you. Um and, and Trent is a freshman this year, had a breakout season. But those guys have been in my gym forever and ever. It was ex exciting to see their success. But those would be two of the current college wrestlers that are, you know, grew up in my gym on a full-time basis. But over the years, there's been tons of campers that come from all over the country or all over Pennsylvania as well that have excelled. Like NCAA champions from Harvard and Penn and Cornell – that's, you know, what, you know, I'm big on being a serious student. One of my camp slogans is be a scholar athlete, right. not a dumb jock. Dumb jock. <laughs> I, that's the politically correct version. The, the other version would be don't be a knucklehead. Don't all be. right. <laughs> In any case, um, Troy Nickerson, Cornell, JP O'Connor, Harvard, uh, Matt Valenti, Penn. He's two time. Mm -hmm. He's actually two time NCAA champ. And he is the, one of the ADs at Penn now, but you know, you want to reach that pinnacle. So whether it's the Ivy league, or the Big Ten, or small colleges. I mean, let's face it, most of the wrestlers are not going to Penn State, Big Ten, and Ivy League. Most wrestlers are going to other schools. So I'm really proud of the kids that grow up and develop and go to other schools, take other opportunities. Um, another local guy that I have tremendous memories of that um, came a lot to my gym with Brad Pataki is Matt Kyler, and he's an Army Ranger now. He went to West Point. He was an All-American, became an Army Ranger. So, I mean, we just keep making progress, keep getting after it. Pretty special. And then, you know, you, I mean, you had countless guys come through your, your gold medal training camp system. So coach, tell us about the, the gold medal training camp system. When did you start it? When did you have the idea to, to start doing camps and to, and to eventually run your own very successful camp system? Well, that's a great question. And the answer is I went to a lot as a teenager and I mentioned that earlier and I, I, I saw different things. I saw some good and a lot of mediocre a lot of half-motivated college kids as counselors, a lot of camp directors just kind of walk the ride, college coaches throwing things together. 
I mean, don't get me wrong, I benefited, but I felt I could do better. And uh, I had great experiences working as a counselor for John Fritz's camp during college. So I was, I was really hands-on. And while I was doing that, I was running day camps. So I, during college, I was running day camps, different towns, clinics, and being a counselor at John Fritz's camps. And I, I just learned and worked hard and learned how to develop my own system, what I call the gold medal training camp system. And uh, I try to be really organized, structured, teach a lot of review sessions, drill sessions, just give the ideal camp experience both on and off the mats. As you know, I've chosen to bring my camps to hotel conference centers. So instead of being in the hot dorm and schlepping across campus and playing around with the girls in sports camps and stuff, <laughs> I, I've gotten – we're wrestling, man. You've been there enough to know we're just, it's all wrestling and we get after it. And you know, I've seen you as a commuter. You don't get to go home. You just – it's like, yeah. you know, tell me about – I've seen you sit in between sessions, resting, getting ready for the next session. And, you know, it's, it's all business. Make the most of every minute. Make the most of every session. So I've tried to run the very best camp possible, take care of the kids, give them a good, healthy, positive experience. That's another thing. Some of the counselors I think are like in other camps over the years, like indifferent or even bullying. And I just, I want to provide good role models for my students uh, that are going to, so they're going to help them get a path to success in college, success in life, and just have a positive, you know, beneficial experience in every aspect of the way. Yeah. And I, I'll say from my personal experience, like when I was, I want to say nine or 10 years old, one of the, this was one of the very first like steps I took into becoming the wrestler I am today. And hopefully the wrestler I become in the future, but was, I did the full two weeks of, of your training camp at the Nirvana. And like, you know, before that I'd done, you know, a couple sessions here and there, but this was like three practices a day, two weeks straight, like, like just, you know, wrestling with tons of kids and, you know, there'd be kids coming through three days, four days, one week, you know, two week campers. And like, I remember that those two weeks were like eye opening to me because if I remember correctly, um, I think like Mitchell Port was there, AJ shop. You, we, you have guys coming in from different countries. You have guys coming from all over, you know, the state and, um, and, and all over America just to come in and, train here and I remember being like so you know awestruck that like all of this wrestling was happening and like I was I was just on the edge of like kind of understanding what was going on but yeah no I did that first two weeks there and then I believe I did it for the next uh, I want to say probably three or four years and like every year it was it was a, a system and it was clear that there was uh you know a plan going into action and it was executed perfectly. Um, and I mean, Swish, did, did you say you were nine when you did two weeks? I might've, I might've been nine or 10. Uh, I want to say. Um, wow. That's impressive. Most of those, see most of those nine, 10 year olds, they crumple after four or five days. Swish. You, <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't have an excuse because I mean, like I'm a commuter, like you said, it was only, it was a 10 minute drive from my house. And so my dad would drop me off in the morning at eight o'clock and I'd pack a lunch and uh, <laughs> I just stay there the whole day he's like I'm not picking you up don't call me I'm not <laughs> you. he's like I'm out of here later nerd um but I mean it was it was a phenomenal experience and I remember you know I, I'll admit going into it I was always nervous like you know there's just a lot of things going on I'm a little guy um but like coming out of it I, I remember especially after that first you know two weeks um 
I, it just gave me this level of confidence. Like, yeah, I, I went through it and yeah, it's a tough camp and there's a lot of wrestling, a lot of tough guys come through, but I came through it and I'm a better wrestler because of it. I'm a tougher human being. Um, and so it was an excellent experience. And I highly suggest that um, everyone, everyone should go try it because it's fantastic. And it's That's awesome. awesome switch. I'm glad you have such positive memories. We gotta, we gotta do our next podcast from camp. Right Trump there camp. at Top Street, baby. Me and you could have a featured go. We could put it on YouTube. <laughs> I, I think you might be already ready to challenge for the title. I'm only I'm only 53 though, man. I'm still going strong. I feel 35, baby. You feel, oh, right? you feel so 35. <laughs> I'm ready for you. How much what, you, what weigh? you weigh? 140 I was, now. I'm yeah. I'm just about 140. How much you weigh? I got enough on you to to handle you. Oh. All right. When those shots, you will have to go for the ankles. Listen, but we'll man. get on. Hey, um, <laughs> You mentioned, I'm glad you have memories of A.J. Mitchell. That's a good story. You asked me earlier about past campers and stuff, but they're a cool story because A.J. Mitchell, like you, they started doing my camp when they were young and they did multiple weeks. So A.J. shops from Tyrone, 30 minutes south of here. Mitchell Belfont from Belfont, 20 minutes north or whatever. Uh, and they would come to my gym since they were literally six, seven right. years old. My local home training center, they'd work out together. And they would do camps in the summer, like you, multiple weeks at a young age. They were hardcore they weren't the greatest athletes in elementary school they didn't want to win peewee pjw states or nothing they just kept getting better kept improving and both became high school state champions their senior year of high school so they just they weren't gifted necessarily I mean, they got good gifts but they weren't like genetic freaks they just kept getting better and they chose to go to school together with coach flynn and my, you know, right. my buddy Tim Flynn, who's then coaching Edinburgh, is now at WVU. So it's pretty cool. They met at my camps, and they met at my home training center, and they met at my camps when they were six, seven, eight. They kept coming together for a decade, went away to college together, and now AJ's the assistant coach at Purdue. They had a very good season. They keep improving. He's a difference maker. One of the best wrestlers on top I've ever seen. Oh, He's my gosh. Ridiculous. And then, uh, and then Mitchell is Coach Flynn's assistant at WVU. So both these guys – Certainly, I'm all for developing doctors, lawyers, businessmen, teachers, but it's pretty cool to see two of my protégés successfully coaching and making a living teaching wrestling at the college level. It's pretty nice, and those are two favorites. They did it together for a long time. And I, I think it's really interesting that you'd say that they're not they – weren't, they weren't the talented athletes from their youth, right? And it's just a consistent getting better, getting better, getting better. Now they're in college, or when they were in college, I mean, A.J. Shop. He, he was tearing people up with a cross wrist tilt and, and Mitchell Port, you know, just like high level, all Americans, you know, clearly very talented and have a really good foundation and they were able to tear it up on the college level. So, um, and I mean, in different ways too, you know, we talk about, you went on a little tangent about the Russian versus American training systems. Well, here in America, we got lots of different, technical systems too right? right like aj shop long skinny lanky not not particularly explosive mitchell stocky good position really good to shrug single leg um di different styles different games on, they're both good on top but different styles of top mitchell's a near risk guy aj's cross risk guy just apples and oranges but i coach them both you always one of the keys for coaches whether it's a club or whether it's camps is helping the individuals perfect their style right. like for you i spent a lot of time with you as an elementary school middle school guy and, you know, broad picture, big picture stuff. And now Coach Manny is your high school coach. and David is your club coach. I have to really hone, help you perfect your individual style. You know, are you going to wrestle 
like Mike Maney, which is kind of like Mitchell Poor, kind of conservative, good single leg, not too crazy. Or you can be more like David with your magic tricks, baby. <laughs> tricks up your sleeve, you know. And you, you being a, a bright young guy, you're smart. You have enough savvy to have a diverse repertoire. You're going to be able to develop a wide arsenal. I mean, your arsenal, you have a great foundation from youth wrestling yeah. and being wrestling a lot for the past five years or more. Now you're really starting to hone in on certain areas, perfect your style, and you're finally hitting adolescence. You're getting big. And I mean, you got the growth pattern of David, if you could get up there. I don't think your parents are going to be quite as big as David. No, I don't but, um, think so either. It, it's pretty cool to think David's growth pattern growing from 106 to a freshman high school to becoming a 149 pound freshman in college, really skinny then, and then 184 pound world champ. I mean, that's one thing to say for people. You just got to keep growing and getting stronger and improving. One thing that I hate as parents is having the kids cut too much weight. And this is a little bit of a oh, tangent, yeah. but grow into the next weight class, eat healthy, get stronger, build muscle, and success will come over time. Don't try to cut weight when you're 10, 11 years old because consistently and losing water on it's no fun. It's Keep no fun. wrestling fun. I, my message to parents and coaches home be help your children and help your athletes, your students develop a passion for wrestling. Teach the game, enjoy it. But don't don't make it miserable, right? And I mean, like that's the biggest thing, you know. The the I know that the perception of wrestling uh, across the board for, from youth is like, at least for me, it was this isn't fun, you know, because again, like it goes with cutting weight and it goes with hard practices. And like I'll I'll say, it, kids these days are soft, right? They <laughs> they it's it's hard. Wrestling is a hard sport, um, but that is the key, you know, to make it fun, to make it enjoyable, and to get them to want to come back to practice, to get them hungry, to get them to, you know, have a, have, be self-motivated. Um, and so as, you know, um, I'm sure you could say as your role as a coach, you want to, to inspire athletes and get them to come back um, and, and, you know, just keep steadily improving. So that's all really special. Um, coach, here's a question. Uh, you know, anyone who knows you knows that you are, uh, a fitness nerd, a nut. You love, you know, eating healthy, working out, um, you know, and, and keeping your body in, in tip-top shape. When did you start um, on that nutrition train? Like, how, how old were you about? Love eating healthy is a stretch, okay? Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I know it's important to eat healthy if you want to be at your There's best. There's a difference, but who, right? I mean, I mean, when I was a kid, I was loving the Big Macs, right? Two old right. cakes, pistol <laughs> sauceless, cheese pickles, onions on sesame seed bun. I mean, I ate plenty of Big Macs in elementary school, obviously. Bologna, too. Oscar Mayer, I could give you that jingle as well. But uh, <laughs> the answer to your question, Swish, is that in middle school, when I made a year-round commitment to wrestling, I started lifting weights and working to get strong and hitting, hitting hard. Nice. Um, when, I made it, when I made a commitment in middle school to year-round training, I also made a commitment to putting the right fuel in my system. I mean, if you're going to train hard, push your body like this, why, why eat junk food, right? So let's, let's be healthy. Let's live the healthy, clean life. Take care of yourself. This is before the supplement era. This is just basic nutrition stuff. And even when I wrote a, I wrote a book when I was in my 20s, I had a whole chapter of the seven chapters. One chapter was entirely on nutrition, the science of eating healthy for wrestling. So you, you got to put good, healthy foods. And most people know the basics at this point, fruits, vegetables, lean meats, small portions, lots of water. And it's not rocket science. It's self-discipline. It's commitment. It's making the decision to do these things consistently. It's about my mom, who I'm fortunate enough was willing to cook healthy and provide. Once she realized I was dedicated to wrestling, she helped the family get healthier. So 
yeah, that, the answer to your question is middle school. I made a commitment to good nutrition middle school. And then when my friends started drinking beer and smoking dope in high school, I didn't do none of that stuff. Stayed clean, ate healthy. Again, why put that crap in your system? Exactly. You got to make that decision again in college. I know you've already made the decision in high school. You're, you're living clean, but you're going to make that decision again in college. You're going to go to college and 90% plus is drinking beer all the time, smoking and all sorts of crazy stuff. And I made that decision to say no. So it all ties together. It's about making good nutrition decisions. And even today, some college athletes get sucked into that college social scene, partying scene, drinking scene, and other stuff. And it, it, it cannot possibly enable you to maximize performance if you're not eating healthy. And, and then elaborating, supplements become huge, right? I, I partner with David Taylor. I'm using pure supplements, no artificial sweeteners. If I've been doing this for 30 plus years, eating clean, eating healthy. And, I, and as supplements became important over the past 20 or so years, I've studied it, kept up with it, tried to direct my athletes to the best cutting edge materials. And, and most recently, that is Pure. It's a company that started 10 years ago. It's cutting edge nutrition. I want my athletes, my students, and their parents putting the best possible fuel in your system. So like I said, you know, David's actually the one that introduced me to Pure. And uh, I'm, loving the, I'm loving it, enjoying it. And I'm, like I said earlier, I'm 53, going, feeling like I'm 35. Oh, boy. So going strong and enjoying it. Man, I, I can't wait. <laughs> You're gonna try to squish me. You're just gonna try to. Well, we gotta get over. we we gotta get some rebuild protein powder. In you swish. Yeah. I mean, I don't see those. I, yeah, let me get my microscope out. Dude. <laughs> All right. So yeah. adolescence, you got it. You got any hair yet? Nothing. It, I, no, no, no razor yet. No. No need yet. for the razor. Not yet. All right. Let's It'll see. come. So that you know, <laughs> supplements are good, but the the adolescence helps too. And I know you're that, there. That is, so that you're right. Real. You're ready to start growing. Like I said, look at David's growth pattern, huh? That's crazy. Um, right. So you just everybody does it at different ages, different sizes. Zane Zane Rutherford won the state as a freshman. Swiss. He weighed 95 pounds, and he won the state at 106 or 103 or whatever it was. Right. I mean, it's just just a matter of getting things done. You just grow into those next weight classes, and you're you're obviously a big kid now and getting bigger. So. But yeah, proper nutrition, I'm all about it. And you know, anybody that ever wants to learn more about it should just contact me and I help my wrestlers, my campers, the parents with the proper nutrition and with the pure nutrition products. So nutrition science is cutting edge. Like I'm a biology major. I went to medical school. That's an area. You've asked some great questions, man, but I don't know if you even knew that. Uh, no, I knew just, oh yeah, yeah, I knew that. Yes, from being around me enough. But anyways, I mean, I'm science. I'm into biology, chemistry, nutrition, and um so it's kind of been a good segue to add on the nutrition supplementation as nutrition science evolved so much the past 10, 20 years to, to make sure we're getting good quality products in our system rather than there's a lot of junk supplements out there. There's right. a lot of illegal supplements or, N, or ones that are not WADA or NCA approved. So you got to make sure you're using the products that are healthy, like, like pure that are NCA approved and safe for young people and healthy. Hmm. No, that's, that's really special. And I know that, um, you know, for me always coming up, like it, it, it's been clear that this is something you valued very highly. Um, and it, it's, it's very interesting. It's cool to see that you, you, you're so passionate about not only your, your own personal health, but, you know, trying to help other people have high, you know, good personal health too. Um, and I don't want to be like, say like too much things about society nowadays, but it's easier than ever before to get fat, right? <laughs> and it's, it's, it's the reality. I mean, obesity is a national crisis. If you look at this COVID, I mean, I, I don't want to get into the details or anything, but uh, obviously a lot of people that are older are struggling, but a lot of people that are obese are the ones that are struggling the most 
battling the illness, battling the, battling the virus, um, whereby most, that, most, not all, but the healthy people are doing better fighting it quicker and moving, you know, getting healthy, recovering from the virus. Yeah, no, it's, it's about- Because it's reality. A lot of us are going to get viral illness, whether it's COVID or any other virus, influenza right. or anything else. And you have to be, the healthier you are, the more fit you are, the better rested you are, the more capability you're going to have to fight, beat that disease and illness. Mm. No, that, I, I completely agree with you. So, um, you know, we're, I, we're coming to the end of this interview. I want to ask just a couple last few questions. First of all, so you've done camps all over the country. Um, here's just something I was wondering, um, but what sort of regional differences are there in youth and high school wrestling? Are, are there any at all? Like, um, how does the wrestling differ in Pennsylvania from, you know, the, the West Coast and, and other places? Okay. The thing that makes Pennsylvania better than most of the other states, I mean, we're, we're the most successful. It's not a, it's not a bragging thing or anything. It's a fact. Yeah. Pennsylvania is the most <laughs> successful high school wrestling state in the country. And at the NCAA tournament, almost every year, over one-fourth of the NCAA All-Americans are from the state of Pennsylvania. Sometimes more than 30% of the NCAA All-Americans are from the state of Pennsylvania in their high school, where they went to high school. So Pennsylvania is really good. Why? You ask me why. Matt wrestling. Top and bottom wrestling. Ohio puts a lot of emphasis on takedowns. California, another strong wrestling state, a lot of emphasis on takedowns. The Pennsylvania kids grind hard on the mat. If you got Zane Rutherford running power halves and AJ Shopper running cross wrist rolls, and these guys are grinding, Mitchell Ford on near wrist, these guys are tough on top. Everybody else has to get good on bottom too. So top and bottom get so better. So when everybody's so closely matched at the high level of high school or in college, what's a difference maker? the ability to ride and grind on a guy, the ability to score a set of back points, the necessity to get off bottom. A lot of the California and Ohio high school kids struggle to get off bottom at the highest level of high school and college because there's so much takedown games. It's specifically Ohio that I can speak to because I've coached Ohio State for three years and I've just studied the sport a lot. The referees in Ohio call stalling on top a lot quicker, which forces the kids to let the guys go and go more takedowns faster. Whereby here in Pennsylvania, the officials give a little more patience to the grind on top and bottom, and it, it just creates better mat wrestlers. So I could go on and on about some different things, but in general, one of the things that separates Pennsylvania wrestlers from the crowd is mat wrestling, and then another thing is the culture. We have a rich culture wrestling. Like growing up in West Virginia, there was no culture in wrestling. I mean, it right. just wasn't there really. But when I came to Penn State and went to Rec Hall and saw the excitement, the energy, you go to high school dual meets and they're excited. You know, your, your school, Belfont, not the powerhouse of the country, but it's good. And they, they, pack, they packed the gym every match, every match. There you go. Packed. Okay. They packed the gym and they're a, a good high school team. Yeah. And all due respect, I mean, they're, they're not, they haven't won the team state title yet or anything, but they're packing the gym every time. These people in Belfont and Center County, our area, care about wrestling. So I'd say those are the two things. Matt wrestling and culture, we take it seriously. So we get more kids involved at a younger age. More kids get started, and it just it evolves. The cream rises to the top. They have clubs. You know, there, there's a lot of clubs here in state Pennsylvania. There's a lot of there's a lot of colleges that wrestle, which means there are a lot of the high school coaches wrestle in college. So our, our wrestlers are getting high level training. We're out west. It's not quite the same. There's not as so much college wrestling. A lot of the, a lot of the high school coaches did not wrestle in college. There's not quite as so much competition, and for all those reasons. Pennsylvania has continued to pull themselves up from the crowd. Now, don't be, the gap has closed a little bit over the years, but right. again, I just go by the NCA results. Pennsylvania high school wrestlers have a tremendous percentage of success at the NCA tournament. 
Right. And, you know, going back to what you said about mat wrestling is that there is a tremendous, you know, incentive to be good at mat wrestling, right? Like NCAA, you, four points for, for backs, right? Riding time, you know, and so it's, there's just a lot of points to be scored. And it's, you know, it's hard to take down a good guy, especially at the division one level. It's hard to get a takedown. Um, but if you can get a turn, get four backs, that's equivalent to two takedowns. Um, and it can blow the match wide open. So um, that, I mean, I would say that has something to do with it too. And see, you're probably gonna be a college coach someday, but what, what you just said in that 30 seconds is, or 45 seconds or whatever it was, is spot on baby spot on. And for those of you that don't follow college wrestling, like obviously you do, but some people don't, don't follow it as close. Right. I mean, the, the new rule, what maybe three years ago, four count, four back points. If you can get one of those, you're probably going to win. I mean, usually the guy, if somebody scores four back points a match, they're almost always going to win. Yeah, and then, as you know, yeah. And then as you know, close matches can often be decided by that riding time point. I don't mm -hmm. like the concept that much, but it, those are the rules. So if you're really good on top or you're kind of so-so on bottom, that's a problem when you get to college. So you better be a complete wrestler. And that's one of the things that I, as a coach and as a camp director, really put a lot of emphasis on. Get tough on pot top and making sure you can get that chain wrestling to get that one point on bottom. And I also like the, the rolls on bottom, too. That's something that right. doesn't get taught very much. That, that it's, hey, if you're not a good athlete, why not look for five from the bottom? Mm -hmm. No, that I mean, or even six from the bottom if it's college. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's a special thing to be a part of, especially like, you know, coming, growing up here in, in Pennsylvania. And ex all my wrestling experience has been in Pennsylvania. So, um, <laughs> this is all I've ever known, which, you know, kind of, I, I like, I recognize like I'm very blessed to be here and I'm, I'm very lucky to be here. Um, and cause I know there's kids who love wrestling just as much as I do, but don't have all these, ex you know, these opportunities that I have. And so, um, it's my job to be grateful and, um, and to make the most out of them. So I don't know. That, it's all it's all very cool and it all ties back in together and um, that's kind of what wrestling's about right it, it comes full circle and it, it's all interconnected um so coach again a couple last questions how do you envision the course of wrestling at the youth and high school level growing over the next few years um what i mean just just as vague or as specific as you'd like to be well, I think coaches need to put more emphasis on the promotion of our sport. I think we all love the coach wrestling in the wrestling room and teach the X to the nose, but I challenge all coaches to spend more time making connections with your local media, reaching out, encouraging them to come visit your practice room, your matches, put some concerted effort into it. Also reach out to parents, find your parent leaders, get them to help you and put fans in the seats. Just like you said, Belfont fills the stands create a culture locally so we can grow nationally and globally. And that's how we're going to do it. We got to get more people out. We got to build more fan base. We got to teach an exciting style of wrestling and then good things will happen. No, that I, I completely agree with you. Coach, what are some plans you have for, you know, not only the immediate future, but also, you know, for the rest of your lifetime? It's a great question. I'm still exploring those goals. It's funny you asked that question because I, I've, chosen to try some different things. I started a new college program. I'm looking at different opportunities in other places. So um, my, I actually have sold my home and home training center and I'm going to be doing more remote clinics, more traveling clinics. 
And that way, because my family's growing, my children are 22 and 24, so I don't need the big property anymore. And I'm going to go to different gyms and be traveling more. And, uh, you know, I, I've only lived half my life, so I'm excited to set some future goals. And uh, one of my main goals is just to continue running a great summer camp here in State College and attract and develop serious wrestlers that want to reach their highest goals. Um, Long-term goals, those are constantly evolving. Um, but I do enjoy getting out and traveling to different clinics, and that's a lot of fun for me. And I, I've been traveling the country nationwide. I tie it in a lot to my TV work when I travel to the West Coast or Chicago for Big Ten or any other Big Ten towns. So, but I, I always go and do clinics. It's neat. Hmm. What other hobbies do you have, like, outside of wrestling or <laughs> – I mean, do you? <laughs> what do you think, Swish? Man, I don't so know. I, yeah. I'm, I love the wrestling. I, obviously, I've embraced the healthy lifestyle. I like the nutrition. Um, I – Personally, the, I don't, I'm not a big hobby guy. I don't hunt. I don't fish. My, my life's work is helping kids excel in our sport. Developing, my life's work was raising my kids who are now 22 and 24. So, you know, I don't, I don't do many hobbies. I do wrestling. I do the nutrition. I'm very engrossed in my nutrition company and helping people maximize that. It's a business too. A lot of the people, coaches, parents get involved in the business of nutrition. I, I'm very involved in that. That's kind of my hobby for lack of a better word. Um, I like to take walks when I'm not training just go out, enjoy, enjoy outside. Dude, I love outside, <laughs> especially now that it's summertime, dude. Summertime. Yeah, especially since nice. being cooped up all spring, right? That's for sure. No, it's been. Uh, so I'm inside. My yeah. sport's inside sport. I'm always wrestling, lifting, studying videos inside. So I, I do enjoy getting out for nice walks. Yeah, no, that's for sure. All right. Hey, Coach Ken. Thank you so much for, for taking the time out of your, your day to, to come on the podcast and just have a great discussion. Um, before you go, are there any last thoughts that you'd like to leave our listeners with? No, you hit so many areas. I mean, be a scholar athlete, not a dumb jock. That's the biggest message I get across to young people. And, you know, make a commitment to excellence. Be the very best you can be. Um, most acutely, Swish, I mean, I, I, we talked about camp. It's coming up. It's right around the first week of July, July 12th through 17th, actually near capacity. Um, we have openings in the Super Bowl for July 12th through 24th. Um, I added a second week because that first week is so packed, July 18th through 23rd. And But all the details are on my website, just my name, KenCherter.com, and people can contact me at camps at KenCherter.com on email. And I'm very personally involved. And that's my life's work, like we just talked about. What's my hobby? Helping kids excel, helping them get to college, helping them live the dream. So whether it's wrestling, nutrition, or life, you know, I'm here for you. And I'm easy. I'm very accessible to reach out to. So anybody that wants help is I'm easy to get a hold of. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, again, I'm just going to thank you not only for, you know, coming on, but also for all the things that you've given me in, in my wrestling career and, and for my life in general. And, and coach, I just do really appreciate it and I owe you a lot. So thank you so much. Um, and thank you to everyone who made it through this interview and listened to us. Um, it's much appreciated. Uh, and coach, we'll definitely get you back on sometime. Talk a little bit more wrestling. So. All right. I'm proud of you. Great. Very impressive questions, man. Beyond, beyond the adult ordinary. You're special, buddy. Proud of you. <laughs> thank you, coach. All right. And, uh, and thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you next time.